4, 9, 12, and 16. And it would appear as well that there is no hope of deliverance for the Apostle Paul. He's ready to be offered. The time of his departure is at hand, according to chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 6. In other words, the Apostle Paul knows no likelihood that his martyrdom is right around the corner. So it is supremely important in terms of what Paul says. He also asks Timothy in chapter 4, and I'm just giving you the cliff notes here, verse 9 and 21, to hasten to him. Hey, Tim, Timothy, son of faith, come on, get back here. Paul knows that something is about to occur in his life. But here's Paul, Timothy's spiritual dad, cheering him from the sidelines, pouring out truth. Last words, if you will, that will effectively prepare him for Timothy's life and adorance in ministry. You remember what it was like even as a child to have our moms and dads show up at our sporting events. I mean, it was great to have the rest of the folks there, but when mom and dad were there, that was different. And so it is, even as the Apostle Paul calls out, connecting his heart again to Timothy. Timothy has been following Paul as Paul has been following Jesus Christ. He's been a faithful and sincere son of the faith, one to be proud of. But we also know from 2 Timothy and from 1 Timothy that Timothy has struggled with courage. Timothy has struggled to endure. Timothy has struggled to suffer well. The Apostle Paul has called upon him to be a soldier and a farmer, to be disciplined and courageous, to do hard things. Because Timothy has had doubts. He's had questions. There's an element in which he's needed, he's been in need of assurance. And so first and second Timothy are, are full of encouraging truths that Timothy can live by. It's really a treasure chest of, of deep truth. And as we come to this one verse, I think we come to one of the powers over the rest of the chapter. Because in this one verse, Paul has compressed the glory of the gospel. Paul is saying in this one verse, things that will become the bedrock upon which Timothy must live. And I share this with you for this reason. In, in a world of constant flux, in a world that seems sometimes under our feet more sandy than solid. What is it that God's people need? Well, we need a verse like, like that which is given to us in chapter 2, verse 8. By just very few words, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. This is the kind of glorious compression of truth. This is an irreducible truth. As Paul lays it out for Timothy, this is the truth that will keep Timothy walking and keep Timothy going and keep Timothy ministering and keep Timothy um, with good courage and good strength. It's this kind of truth that we as God's people in the year 2017 are in such need of as well. So I'll give it to you as it's given to us in the text with four different breaks. First of all, this, remember Jesus Christ, looming over time and eternity, is the Alpha and Omega. Jesus Christ bookends history. We read in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and then we have this concluding word to us in Revelation 22, 10, even so come, Lord Jesus. So here's Paul crying out to Timothy, 
gospel first mentioned, but it is significant because in the very shadow of man's rebellion against the holy God, there is a encouraging word that a redeemer would come forth. Paul says, Timothy, Timothy, my son, my man, remember Jesus Christ. You'll notice verse 8 goes on and it says this, from the seed of David. There were two defining features in the life of Jesus, prophecy and power. Prophecy would confirm his unique lineage and birth. There is, for those that will study it and think about it and ponder it, there is an aura and an austerity and an extraordinary element to his life. My niece, Megan, is in labor right now. no prophecy about this little one. We don't know what Ezra, that's his name, what Ezra's going to do, be, become, how his life is going to go. But when you compare Ezra or our dear Lucas or other young ones that are about to be born, you realize there's something uniquely different about Jesus. Hundreds of prophecies led out from the Old Testament through to the New Testament, this glorious truth that the Messiah would come, where he would be born, how the government would be upon his shoulders, from what lineage he would come, how he would live and minister and die, his role as Messiah. It was all clearly and precisely detailed in hundreds of passages. We've got promises made and then promises kept. So here's Paul reminding Timothy of this greatest story ever told. Remember Jesus Christ, the seed of David. It didn't just happen. Prophesied. Powerful coming. Messianic prophecies set Jesus apart from the path. He is unlike any religious figure ever. The ultimate on purpose person. He's often imitated and never Duplicated. Dear folks, do you, do you delight in the marvelous narrative? I hope that you feed on scripture and that it builds up your holy faith because you realize that this is unlike anyone else. No one ever came forth into this world the way Jesus has. Understand the singular connector here in terms of world history is Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ of the seed of David. Then thirdly, he says this, who conquered death. Now, think about it. If Timothy has struggled with his courage quotient at times, if he has labored to persevere, if there's a youthfulness and, and maybe an element in which he's, he's not sure of some things all the time, and sometimes when he gets knocked around, it's not like Paul. He doesn't have the thick skin that he Paul has. And so it's amazing to have Paul define this gospel message when it comes forth from Jesus as one who has conquered death. Jesus has mastered death. He has been victorious over his power. He took the sting, the pain, the terror, that the ferocious might of death as the big ugly, and he has conquered it. But that death which was for man unbeatable, has been beaten in the Lord Jesus Christ. Years ago, the ferocious Mike Tyson 
Hollywood was utterly humiliated by Lennox Lewis. He gave him such a beating that the foul tempered, ear biting rapist and former terror had to admit this I could never beat him. It was a devastating, ignominious defeat. I think of that because in the way that Jesus conquered death, there was such grand flair, such a display of divine power that death loses its ability to intimidate and spook humans. We are reminded in God's word over and over again that the Lord reigns over death. The sacred truth means that we delight in the power and the work of Jesus Christ. That's where Paul passionately longs. He says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might know him and the power of kind of glorious, sacred, compressed truth. It affects the way that we live. It was a year ago today that God took to himself my six-month-old grandson, Eli. God took him. God gave him, and then God took him. We need to know that in light of this gospel bedrock, Some of us are looking at life and death all the time. Some of it seems very close to us. So my challenge is, is, do you know the Master and Lord who looms in victory over life and death? How critical that is. How essential that is. Paul cries out to Timothy, who probably struggles at times, thinking, should I go to that town? Should I stay in that city? Should I preach this gospel? Because it might cost me my life. Paul cries out, remember Jesus Christ and the seed of David who conquered death. Dear ones, are you aware that Jesus conquered death? And Paul says, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? It has been swallowed up in Jesus Christ. Now it's not like I'm not afraid of the pain of death and all that goes with it, but the big ugliness of death, the separation, fear, the tragedy, even the, the fear of what happens next, the gospel swallows that up in Jesus Christ. We delight in that. If Jesus had not conquered death, then we are men and women most miserable. Our loved ones are lost to us if there's no resurrection. We're saps of a vicious lie. We live for a reward that cannot be realized. That's why this is such critical truth. Resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the midway to Sally Dad, the worm of the Gettysburg of all of history. It's the personification of true victory. The turning point of the conflict of the ages. That's why the famous Scottish preacher and former chaplain of the Senate, Peter Marshall, could look into the face of his wife, Catherine, after a second heart attack and said, I will see you in the morning. That's why we live with hope. That's why it is so share this message of hope with those that have no hope. We recognize the truth of the power of the resurrection. Those who know this are fabulously strengthened by it. The promised Redeemer from the line of David is raised from the dead. Jesus has mastered 
so thankful, Lord God, that we've been forgiven of our sins. The Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ, which is highest meaning. He does not say we to live as church, ceremony, or creed, but unconsciously he says for me to live as Christ. Help us to go do that, Lord. Help us to delight in you. And it's all of us in church. 